Many of you remember an incident that occurred on January 23rd, 1968. The Banner class ship that the U.S. had called the USS Pueblo. It was captured by the North Koreans. And they were accused of spying. And it's interesting, one of the 83 crew, 83-person uh, crew was killed, and the rest of them were taken as prisoners. It was interesting because a, sub, uh, a submarine chaser came up, uh, as well as three torpedo boats, two MiG fighters, and another torpedo boat, and a second submarine chaser, and there was just no way out. And as, as I said, it was taken to port and the crew incarcerated. And after a written apology that stated that, a ship, the, that the ship was spying, although an oral statement was made that said they weren't, about a year later, on December 23rd, 1968, they were released. And I'm sure you remember others. John McCain spent time in what's called, what was called Hanoi Hilton. Scott O'Grady. I remember hearing, he technically wasn't captured. His plane crashed over Bosnia, Herzegovina. I think I said that wrong, Herzegovina. Close enough. And uh, he spent several days in the forest and was able to escape. Or, or who hasn't? You know, you, you remember Jessica Lynch? She was the first young lady, the first female captive in the Gulf War in 2003. Every war has stories of soldiers being captured because of sometimes inattentive, inattentiveness, sometimes just by sheer misfortune being at the wrong place at the wrong time. But in Colossians, well, in, in almost every case, they're taken to the enemy camp where they're questioned, where they are sometimes tortured. In Colossians chapter 2, which Bart just read, we're given a warning about being a prisoner. Be careful. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world, and not based on Christ. God, God tests us sometimes. And uh, I remember one time having a conversation with someone, and I asked them this question, does God test us? And the answer they gave me was no. And I turned to, I believe it was Genesis chapter 22, and it says, and God tested Abraham. It was the story of his son, Isaac, and, and you know that story as well as I do. He wanted to test Abraham. God tested the children of Israel. And, and, and if you read the book of Exodus, you'll see that uh, they, they come out of Egypt and they have all these things that are shown to them and, and they gripe and complain. And God says, listen, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send quail. I'm going to send manna. And what I want you to do is to make sure 
that you collect on six days. On the seventh day, I don't want you to collect anything. But on the sixth day, I want you to collect twice as much. And you know, you know, if you had been there, you probably, I, I know I would have. I would have said, eh, I don't think God means what he says. Let's try it out. And it said if they took too much, it spoiled. If they went out on the Sabbath, it was not there. And the Bible says, if you go and read it, says, and God tested Israel. God also tested Adam and Eve. It doesn't technically say that, but we've talked about this quite a bit. The serpent comes to Eve after God has told Adam and Eve, he says, you can have any of the fruit, you can have any of the trees, eat of any of the trees in the Garden of Eden, save one. He said, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you can't eat. Any of the others, you, you, you can eat, but not of that one, because if you eat of that, what will happen? He said, you will die. The serpent comes to them, and he asks Eve, did, did God really say that? And of course, Eve answers in the affirmative. And what's the serpent say? The serpent says, if you eat of that tree, you will not die. Two options. God tests us sometimes. Now we live in a world that gives us options. We live in a world that tests us. And I think God also tests us. Did God say that that was wrong? And the world comes along and says, did God really say that that was wrong? Because really, it is not wrong. And what happens is, we believe the world more than we believe in God. So our first warning is, we must not be captured what Colossians says, what Paul says in Colossians. And the question comes, whom do we believe? Do we believe God when he says, don't do this? Or do we believe Satan when he says, yeah, it's fine? And it becomes a dilemma that we all face every day. And I'm not asking you to be a prude. I'm not asking you to, to just, you know, throw away all... I, it's a simple proposition. Who has taken you captive? And it's kind of interesting when you really think about it. Has sin taken you captive? What about your job? What about your phone? I, I'm, I'm blown away, uh, and, and I'm guilty of this too, so uh, do as I say, not as I do. 
<laughs> Have you ever gone to a restaurant sometime and you sat down and you watch the people around you and you see they've all pulled out their phones and they're looking at them? Or you go to a ball game? A ball game, for goodness sake, there's a game going on in front of you and everybody is sitting there looking at their phone. Has the television taken you captive? You see, there are a lot of things that can take us captive. There are a lot of things that can demand our time. There are a lot of things that may not be particularly wrong, but they keep us from doing what God wants us to do. And so that question or that statement must be made, we got to avoid being captured. Because captivity has its consequences. I don't know if you've seen the movie or read the book. It's called Unbroken. It tells of Louis Zamperini. He was taken POW during World War II. He spent two and a half years in a Japanese prison camp. After, after he'd been afloat on a raft for 47 days. Now, Louis Zamperini was not just an ordinary individual in a lot of ways. He was an Olympic athlete. He, he got in some trouble. He was one of those kind of guys that always lived kind of on the edge. But he was an Olympic athlete, and that's what kind of drew him out of trouble. But he survived beatings. And they told him in, that everyone in America thought he was dead. He was told to hold a bar up above his head, a heavy, heavy weight up above his head. And when he didn't break, they beat him. And as I said, he was a, an Olympic athlete, and in his weakened state, his captors told him, we're going to have you race this, this soldier. And when he lost, Louis, Louis was told that he was a failure. What is it that takes us captive? Well, the scripture says philosophy and empty deceits. And we always think of philosophy as in terms of religious thinking or religious teaching, but it's more than that. It's following the teachings of the world. And I'll tell you right now, Satan and the world doesn't care one whit about you. He doesn't. He doesn't care whether or not you have tragedy in your life. He doesn't care in any way. And I'll tell you this, he'll sweet talk you. And he'll say whatever you want, but once he captures your soul, he'll do whatever he can to devastate you. Satan is a liar. We talked about this in our, in our study. He's a, the scripture calls him a lion, seeking whom he may devour. How many times have you seen animals who work with, or uh, trainers who work with wild animals and, and they seem the sweetest thing. 
they come up and they wrap their, their paws around them and, and they just rub their necks and scratch their ears. And then they turn on them and devour them or drag them off in their mouth. Let me talk about this word philosophy for just a moment. I don't know about you, but when I hear the word philosophy, it's kind of like postmodernism. You know, my eyes kind of roll in the back of my head. Oh, no, we're going to talk about philosophy. And the question, I guess, comes, should we even study philosophy? But the word simply means love of wisdom. Isn't that what we should do, is to, to love of wisdom? Read the Psalms, read the Proverbs, read those what's called wisdom literature. God wants us to be wise. He wants us to understand not only what he wants us to do, but what the world wants us to do. In James chapter 1, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who generously, he gives generously without finding fault and it will be given to you. He doesn't say, what'd you do with the last wisdom I gave you? He says he will give generously. What made Solomon great? I mean, people came from all over the world to see Solomon. And the reason why they came was because he was wise. You remember the story, we talked about it, where, where God comes to him and says, you can have anything you want. And Solomon says, I want the wisdom to rule this country. God says, you know what? Because you didn't ask for riches and those kind of things, I will give you all of that. But something happened. In fact, the scripture says, as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord God as the heart of David had been. Even the wisest person can have their heart turned. In essence, what we're talking about is your worldview. We don't like talking about that, but what is your worldview? How do you see the world? What is the world's destiny? What is your destiny? What matters? How do you view human life? How do you see marriage? How do you... See, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And you see how easily we can be taken captive because the world sees things in a totally different way. But he tells us to be careful of the elementary principles of the world. In the musical, uh, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, Sally is singing a song, and it's a, it's a cute song. It's called My New Philosophy. And every time she turns around and somebody says something, she says, I like it. That's my new philosophy. And she just changes her mind time after time after time after time. And she goes back and forth with Schroeder. And finally, see, at the end, she says, clearly, some philosophies aren't for all people, and that's my new philosophy. 
That's kind of what happens to us. It's a very clever and funny musical, but it really defines us, doesn't it? So Paul says, if you died with the Messiah to the elemental forces of the world, why do you live as if you still belonged in the world? When we began school, we learned our ABCs. We learned that one plus one equals two. But life doesn't always come out that easy, does it? I received a fax last week. It was an interesting fax. Um, it was from a company in Canada. And they said that Dr. Charles White died nine years ago. And he left $12 million dollars. And nobody had claimed it. And here's what we want you to do. This is at no risk whatsoever. He wanted 10% of that to go to the, your favorite charity. Your charity of choice. And then after that, we will split the rest of the money in half. 45%, 45%, and I would be, I think I figured out a little over $5 million richer. No risk whatsoever. I looked up the company because <laughs> there was a side of me that thought, $5 million, I could probably use that. <laughs> it was a legitimate company, or at least it was on the internet, and everything on the internet is legitimate, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and as I, I thought about that, I thought, you know, I've been taught not to be an idiot. I've taught, been taught some elemental things that know that things like that don't occur. Sometimes in our lives, there is nothing in Scripture that specifically deals with something that you might be dealing with but the principles are there. The elemental forces are there. And, and Paul says, listen, don't let the elemental forces take you away from God. He says, use your brain. We live in a world that battles for our souls every day. And they offer us $12 million if we'll just bite. Jude says, for certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you, and they are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and to not deny Jesus as our only sovereign Lord. You see, Paul calls us not to be taken captive, and God calls us not to be taken captive, and, and not to be taken captive by Satan. But we are to be captives of Jesus Christ. 
He says, I don't want you to, to be captives of Satan, but of Jesus. And even Paul and Peter, as they opened up some of their epistles, they would identify themselves as slaves of Jesus Christ. And so he calls us not to check our intelligence at the door. And he wants us to be taken captive by him.